Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 179. What is going on? I am excited to talk to you about some New York Jets freaking football. Oh, baby, we're back. The pads were on yesterday. There is a game being played by the New York Jets in eight days. It doesn't necessarily matter that the backups are, are going to be the ones playing and we're not going to see any regulars. I don't care because New York Jets football is back. And today we'll be spending a lot of time going through who are some standouts, a little positivity on the feed. How about that? To uh, start off episode 179 of Just Jets, we got some audio files to play. We also have your voicemails as well. But before we do that, you guys know the drill. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to unleash the beach beast within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in head first to take your facial hair to the next level. The Beard Hedger is a game changer, allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer, let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place by visiting manscaped.com and use my code JETS20, that is J-E-T-S-2-0, for 20% off and free shipping. Pick yourself up something nice over at Manscaped. All right. We got some positivity on the feed. I love it. I'm so excited to get into today's episode where will we where we will be talking about uh, some of the positive things from uh, New York Jets training camp so far. A few practices under the belt. You got like five. You have a petted practice under the belt already. Things you love to see. We will start on the offensive side of the ball before moving our way over to the defensive side of the ball and talking about the positives that live over there. But how do you not start with Aaron Rodgers, which eyeballs were going to be all over Aaron all. And everyone knew anyone with a pulse knew that the eyeballs were going to be focused in on Aaron Rodgers, and you'd be curious to see how he would do uh, this year and through training camp. And for the most part, he's been very, very good. They've been minimal mistakes, very minimal. He had his first interception to Sauce Gardner yesterday uh, in four practices, so it's not like he's throwing multi-interception practices and not that you should really get all that concerned. But, man, there's been some really nice throws uh, to Corey Davis and uh, Jeremy Ruckert and Garrett Wilson, but... The big story all offseason long, we talked about it for a long time, was that Aaron Rodgers was coming here. It's just a matter of time. The trade finally goes through. Then you're waiting around where it's like, okay, like he's here. He went to OTAs. I'm happy. This is all good. But can we get him on the field, please? And now you're in training camp and you're at that point. And I'm sure that'll be taken to even another level for uh, you know the regular season. But... Fans rightfully, rightfully excited about their guy, Aaron Rodgers. And how could you not mention Aaron Rodgers without mentioning Garrett Wilson hand in hand? Because I was told by many uh, angry Packer fan that Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb are going to be taking over uh, and taking away reps for Garrett Wilson and that Garrett Wilson will be open uh, and he'll be force feeding Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. Granted, it's only practice, but that was a silly narrative to begin with. But even in just this being practice, he has found a special kind of connection with Garrett Wilson. Uh, there's been a more hype around Garrett Wilson going into year two, uh, even than what there was in year one, obviously coming off, uh, off an offensive rookie of the year season, 1,100 yards with four different quarterbacks throwing him the football. 
the thought was, oh, wow, he's going to be due for a really big second season. And that's true. A lot of people were saying that. I, I believe that as well. But I, I don't know if, like, I still think somehow there are people sleeping on this. Like, oh, maybe he'll have another 1,100-yard season and, like, five touchdowns. No. I, I, I don't say it lightly. I think he, at a minimum, minimum, I'm not talking like, oh, wow, that'd be a really nice season if he hit this number. At a minimum, I think he could give you 1,300 receiving yards this year. 1,300 for a Jets wide receiver is unheard of. Unheard of. And close to double-digit touchdowns. Can he give you 1,350 and eight touchdowns? I think that might be on the low end. He might push 1,500 yards. And you guys know me. I've been doing this a long time now on YouTube. I'm assuming you've watched. If you're watching or listening to this podcast, you've listened to one of the other 178 of these I've did over the last three three years. And, you know, we've covered this team in some capacity for five years. I don't ever remember coming out and predicting a 1,500-yard season. I don't remember predicting an 1,100-yard season at any point. But with what... Aaron Rodgers brings to this team and the pure talent and skill that we've seen from Garrett Wilson so far early in his career. I'm just praying for health because it would be unfair, unfair if that was taken from us as Jeff fans, because we've watched a lot of garbage. I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers the graphic that flashed up on the screen in 2018 against the Chicago Bears, where it's like the Jets starting lineup and their wide receivers in that game. I believe Robbie was hurt for that one. It was like Javon Curse or Jermaine Curse, excuse me. Uh, Deontay Burnett. And insert random guy here. And Chris Herndon. Herndon, I believe, had a touchdown in that game. More, but more of the story, the, they've come a long way. We've watched a lot of garbage at the wide receiver position, as well as the quarterback position and just offense in general. But the connection that Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson could have this year and them already putting it on display, you had Robert Salas smiling ear to ear after practice. I would do the same thing, too, if I went out there and was watching Aaron Rodgers throw the football around saying, man, I know how good our defense could be. And now you add a, a stud quarterback on top of that. Whew. Love it. Maybe a little bit of a surprise for the last two, uh, but we'll get into those as well. Max Mitchell has had a lot of starting time at right tackle. So the offensive line shakeout has been something that I wanted to keep a close eye on. And it's still very early. Maybe after the first preseason game or two, we'll have a better idea for how the offensive line will be. And you haven't seen Dwayne Brown yet, so maybe you take some of these with a grain of salt, but could Max Mitchell be the one who wins that starting right tackle job? Billy Turner is someone that I've mentioned a lot, and uh, again, I'm not necessarily advocating for Billy Turner to get the starting spot, but when you bring uh, the experience that he has with not only Aaron Rodgers but Nathaniel Hackett, it makes you think about it, and he was playing at left tackle and moving over and playing some time at right tackle, and you know he could move inside to guard and play that if need be. But for Max Mitchell, he was someone who the Jets seemed to be surprised with and, and pleasantly last year in 2022 as a rookie. When he was drafted, they weren't expecting him to play. He was a fourth-round pick, and his job was to come in and be maybe best-case scenario a swing tackle, and if they needed him, depth. And he was starting week one of the NFL season against the Baltimore Ravens, and he was all right. You know, he ended up playing, I believe it was six games. He uh, got scary stuff, had the blood clot issue. 
Uh, that seems to be that seems to be cleared up now, and he's fighting for a spot and has played well so far in training camp. Maybe he has the inside track to being right the starting right tackle. We'll see how that plays out. We'll see if any of that changes. But I, you have to, if we're talking standout guys on the offensive side of the ball, Max Mitchell's one. Again, to me, that was a, a surprise, a pleasant one, but a surprise nonetheless. And I can't go a podcast episode, any sort of episode where I am talking about offensive guys and players that I want to continue to to see and not mention Jason Brownlee. Denzel Mims gone. He's been traded. He did not report to camp. They told him not to report to camp. It's not like he was holding out. Uh, and they were going to either release him or trade him. And they found the trade partner. So he is in Detroit. Which is, you know, good luck to good luck to him, but that opens up a spot at wide receiver six. And Jason Brownlee's my guy. The speed, the height, really more so the height than the speed. His jump ball ability made a really nice catch uh, with Zach Wilson throwing him the football and the second team guys. Uh, so you really like to see that. Uh, I'm excited for it. He has the special teams ability. He has the special teams talent. He's done it in his collegiate career. Uh, so really not a whole lot to worry about. Again, he has that experience, so you don't have to uh, be all too concerned about him trying to learn something new in special teams, which is what they were trying to do with Denzel Mims. He essentially was trying to learn something new by playing special teams. But Jason Brownlee, udfa and now making the team, is it possible? To that, I say absolutely it is possible. I, I think there's a world where he is not only playing, but coming in and, you know, in a nice little role as a sixth receiver. He's not going to surpass Randall Cobb. And I've seen some people online think that, you know, it's not a lock that Randall Cobb makes this team. I do. I don't think you pay him the $2 million. And I, I don't think, you know, you know how much Aaron Rodgers loves him. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense uh, to bring him in just for training camp and then cut him loose. I think he sticks. Uh, but Brownlee has a, has a good shot to make this team. How about that? The Brownlee Hive? The Brownlee Bunch? Whatever it is you want to call him? I'm in on it. So that's the offense. As for the defense, all right, who are some guys standing out in a positive way on defense? We'll start with some, we'll do the uh, the inverse, I guess, some semi-surprising ones and then more chalky, but Jermaine Johnson, wow, uh, he's gotten a little bit of a run as the starting defensive end with JFM on the other side, and Jermaine going into year two, Kind of the forgotten guy from the 2022 draft class. We were all excited about Garrett and Sauce Gardner, and deservedly so. That's the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. And then you throw in Brees Hall, who probably would have made or won the offensive rookie of the year in 2022 if he doesn't go down with injury. It's kind of hard not to forget about uh, forget about Jermaine Johnson a little bit. It's really not hard to, but don't. <laughs> please don't forget about Jermaine Johnson because that's a guy who is just young and willing to learn and getting better day in and day out. He's lost some weight. He's in the number 11 now, so technically listed as a linebacker, so he could wear that number. But Jermaine Johnson, uh, you know, in year two now, can he do that and take that next step? That is the obviously the biggest question for Johnson, and I think he can. I think he was already kind of showing that as, uh, as a young player and a, a young pup in his first season. The numbers weren't there because the usage wasn't quite there, but he'll be utilized a lot more this year, especially if he's a starter. And, you know, it's not to say that guys like Carl Lawson and Bryce Hoff and, 
you know, Michael Clemens and uh, Will McDonald won't rotate in. Oh, they will. They're going to keep him rotated. And, you know, Jermaine's not getting 60, 65 percent of the snaps. But if he's looking closer to 50 percent of his snaps instead of what was he at last year, 25, 30 percent, that's a big difference. He's going to put up some much better numbers. So Jermaine Johnson getting some love, things you love to see. And then Al Woods, I think he, the veteran, has an inside track to being the uh, the starter next to Quinnen on the interior. It's going to be Quinnen Williams. You know Quinnen is going to start and play more than the rest. They still rotate, but it's not like he's going to get up to 80. He was 80% of snaps. He will still you know, play uh, above 50 and, you know, hopefully pretty well over 60% as well. Uh, But who were they going to play next to him? It was Sheldon Rankins last year. He leaves in free agency. They bring in Quinton Jefferson. They have Solomon Thomas. Michael Clemens can move inside. JFM can move inside. They bring in Al Woods. And Woods is a big boy. He's been more so in his career a 3-4 interior, you know, nose tackle kind of player. But He's excited to be in a 4-3 defense, as as he should be. He should be excited to be in a 4-3 defense because he could eat up and take up space against the run on early downs, but he'll be able to get after the quarterback a little bit. And he knows Salah, so that, that's a, obviously a, a plus there. You you like the familiarity with, with Salah and the and the players that they're able to bring in. And, you know, he's a, he's a solid vet. Is he going to be the, the best player on that defensive line? No, but I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite to an extent. I think he's going to be a solid player who comes in, is good against the run, has a couple of big plays a game, and you know rotates around. Plays 35% of the snaps, maybe 40. But on early downs, yeah, give me some Al Woods. Something else that's jumped out to me on that defense, really not, these last two are really not surprises at all, but it's still worthwhile to mention even after this first week is just how good Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are. Sauce makes an unbelievable play on the ball against Garrett Wilson on a on a throw from Aaron Rodgers and his speed, his length, his ability to go, you know, to to find the ball and go make a play on it and you know, his passes defended were so high last year. The interception numbers were on the lower side with just two. But I I think that's going up this year. I, I think it has to because Teams are going to be having to throw more against this Jets defense than what they were last year. I think that only plays into the Jets' hand because that should be their their strength. Maybe not. They still may struggle with the tight end, like covering a tight end or running backs out of the backfield a little bit because of their safety and linebacker rooms. But, man, that defensive line and those three corners specifically – are just unreal. So sauce with with some good play early on. Same can be said about DJ Reed. Again, please do not sleep on DJ Reed. He is one of the more underrated players in the NFL, specifically at the cornerback position. He made a really nice play on a ball yesterday to make up some ground against Corey Davis and to knock it away. A really, really good cover corner. They, the Jets have two really good corners, man. And really three, if you want to include the slot corner and Michael Carter. That is not an easy job. Slot corner, and especially today's NFL, is incredibly challenging to play. But it's going to be hard to throw against this Jets defense. And that's not even considering the defensive line, which is my last positive note so far from training camp. Their speed. The defensive line speed between Huff and McDonald and Johnson getting faster and uh, Lawson and Quinnen being as good as he is. It's going to be problems for opposing offensive lines. It is not going to be an easy task to sit up there and block because you know who's you know you know who's coming. They're not going to blitz a ton, but they're going to get home with sending four. 
It's like we we know you know what's coming, but you cannot stop it because our guys are just better than your guys. That's intimidating. That's an intimidating thing with very different from the Rex Ryan defense because they were they were blitz heavy. They would send the blitz. Uh, they had two great corners in, in Cromartie and Revis. And, you know, it was like, all right, we're going to send the blitz and you're going to try to find the opening, but our guys cover so well, we're, we're going to get home that way. The Jets are like, ah, we're, we're going to send four and good luck with Sauce and DJ Reed and Michael Carter. Very fun. It's very, very fun. And I, I can't wait to finally, you know, see it. And we're, we're getting there a little over a week out from when we will see the New York Jets for the first time. I uh, want to mention as well, if you are going out to Canton, Ohio for the festivities next week, make sure to hang out with myself. We got, uh, you got Jake Gasman, you got Boy Green. I almost said Green Bean instead of Boy Green. That's why I paused there for a second. My fault. Uh, but you have Boy Green, myself, and Jake Gasman. We are hosting a Jets fan party at Jersey's in the Belden. Uh, the, it's the Belden location. We have availability there from 8 to midnight. Uh, it should be a really fun time there. Uh, so come on in. Have some fun with us. It's a really nice location. Uh, they got live music, party rooms. There's four different rooms that you'll have access to. Uh, you won't have a reserved spot in those other four rooms, but we, we have some uh, tables reserved. Uh, it should be a really fun time with some special guests as well. So I'm looking forward to it, uh, seeing everybody out there in Canton. So... Uh, with that, let's get into some audio files now. Uh, I want to start off by playing one. It's uh, Robert Sala. Uh, Robert Sala talking about uh, just the offensive line competition. Because this one, I think, was uh, was an interesting one. We talked a lot about the tackles, but a sneaky spot worth mentioning and worth noting is the the center? So this is uh, this audio is courtesy from his press conference today uh, of the New York Jets. Um, first day of pads, so we're going to find out a lot about all the competitions happening on the offensive line. Like I said, I, I really don't take much stock into what happens during the acclimation period without pads. Same with OTAs, but uh, first day, um, obviously Connor's the uh, the veteran and uh, understands and understands the game of football in terms of the professional level. Uh, love what Schweitzer's doing. Uh, Tip, Tip's catching up. Obviously, he's got a lot of a lot of stuff to absorb. You know, there's a this playbook is these offensive playbooks in this league are, are thick. So um, there there's a lot of time left. Um, four games. There's going to be a lot to be decided over the next month. Um, I don't know about that, but. Uh, uh, but he's the, by far the most comfortable, and um, but uh, it's they're all going to get an equal opportunity to go get that job. What went into the decision to kind of break him back? Because you signed, I signed him in April. Yeah, which, you know, he does he, a little bit later. He's a veteran. We've won a lot of games. We've won games with him. He's played a lot of games. He started a lot of games. He's done a lot of great things for us. Um, you know, so he's he's obviously a capable starting center in this league. He's proved it over and over again. So. Uh, when the opportunity came about that uh, we can get him back, uh, it, was, it was kind of a no-brainer. You know, to me, he, he doesn't go out and say, well, right now, yes, Connor McGovern has the the inside house, but he wouldn't say that he's the leader in the clubhouse. He's got the inside track. None of that. Like, he's done it. He's a vet. He's a clubhouse guy. We brought him back because he has starting experience with us. But they drafted Joe Tipman for a reason. 
you don't take the first center off the board to just sit on your hands with them and say, oh, you know, we're, we're good. We're going to run it back. We're good with who we have. And with the price tag that McGovern got, that's backup money. He's a good, he's a very good backup. And granted, I think if he was to start, he'd probably be roughly middle of the pack, maybe slightly below average. I feel like there's so much variance with McGovern. You have people who think he's like a top 12 center, and then you think people who he's like a bottom five center in the league, which is just such weird variance. I think he's probably around the middle of the pack. Again, maybe slightly below that. But with Tittman, I think he could come in and not only start right away, but be really, really good and dominant in the run game with his agility. He is going to be able to get down the field and get down the field quickly with his size and speed. And the, that's something Joe Douglas really likes. We've seen that in his draft classes, even the 2021, which now doesn't look so great. He bets on athletes. That's what he does. He, he bets on athletic traits. And that's what they did with Tittman. And we'll see if it works out. But I, I really... I don't know. I I think he's going to play. And he's getting more uh, he's not getting as many reps as McGovern. McGovern's getting more of the reps right now, but it's early and I don't know, I think Tittman's coming for that job, man. I I really really do. Next is Connor Hughes uh doing a hit for SNY, but I thought it was worthwhile uh, to play and to talk about because he's talking about a few different things from it stand out, but mostly the Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson connection, which is already so, so good. The Jets are back at training camp and the Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers show wrote its latest chapter. There was a long completion down the left sideline where it went a little back shoulder to Wilson. There was a touchdown, 35-yard touchdown up the right sideline. At this point, I don't necessarily know what else you want to see from these two guys. They're lighting it up day in and day out. When it comes to Aaron Rodgers, Robert Sala had a tremendous quote. He said this guy glows in the dark. Other notes from training camp. We did have two injuries or one injury, I should say, one non-injury. Alan Lazard, uh, he's dealing with minor ailments. Nothing serious. Didn't practice today, but should be back pretty soon. Uh, Makai Becton, he's still on a pitch count, so that's why you saw him early in practice. And then he came out. One other offensive lineman we haven't talked too much who is turning heads from the Jets, it's Max Mitchell. He's starting there over on the right side, and I'm not terribly sure he's going to be giving up that position too soon. He is earning the Jets coach's trust. He did that last year. He's building on it this year. I think you might have a mainstay on this Jets offensive line. There you go. It might be a mainstay on the offensive line. Just closing out thoughts there uh, with Max Mitchell. That's ex- exciting Exciting news. They obviously like him. Alan Lazard slightly banged up. Not all overly concerned there. I think he'll get back out there uh, relatively quickly. But, you know, something to bring up and something to keep note on. The Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson thing is just, it's like every day they're making a big play together. Every single day. And to have that kind of, with Garrett Wilson, young, Aaron Rodgers, as much as you love him, not a young player, but with young Garrett Wilson, who could just explode and put up dynamic numbers offensively. They've compared him multiple times to Devontae Adams, which uh, you love if he could become Devontae, who's a top, what, three receiver in in football? And and it took Devontae a couple years before he really got going, but... Man, in, in 2018 through 2021 with the Packers, he was putting up big-time numbers. He had uh, 111 catches for 1,386 yards and 13 touchdowns in what year was that? 2018 was the first year he went over 1,000. He just missed it in 2016, 997 and 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns in 2017, 
But in 2020, the MVP season, 115 catches, 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns, 123 catches, 1,553 yards, and 11 touchdowns uh, in the second MVP season with Rodgers. But again, can, can he give you 13, 14, 1,500 yards, somewhere in that range? Yeah, I, I really think he can, which is, again, shocking to, to say that and like say it with some validity. It's not some crazy, wild peanut gallery take. Awesome. I want to get into uh, the last audio file as Carl Lawson talks about uh, the New York Jets getting some extra attention and how he's been handling it. I love this answer. It's just so Carl Lawson. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'll be in my own world, boss. Like, <laughs> I, like I just be working. So I don't even. It's kind of crazy. This whole offseason, everybody's talking about like Aaron Rodgers and, the, and and all the Jets media, and I just it's been working. Like it was like, oh cool, we got Rodgers, and you know they're gonna be up, and then we got all the media. Everybody's been talking about this media hype. Like I, I really haven't seen it because I don't I don't get on the media stuff. So it's just to me, it's just kind of like another day. But but everybody's been telling me about it. It's it's really weird. I gotta I don't know. Do I should I get into the hype or should I just stay away? Or give me an answer, please. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's like, give me an answer, please. Um, I think you should stay away, by the way. Uh, don't let any outside noise in. And the irony here is actually yesterday, too, when this quote came out, you had very different answers with uh, between Carl Lawson and Michael Carter, the running back. Two players that I, I, I like a great deal, by the way. I, I like both those guys a lot. Both joined the Jets in the 2021. Carl Lawson as a free agent. Michael Carter as a drafted running back in the what was it fourth round out of uh, UNC. But both very different answers. Carl Lawson, as you just heard, says, I I be in my own world, boss, which is just a hilarious quote Uh, where Michael Carter admitted to probably being too sensitive last year uh, and says that he sees everything the media says. So I think that it's kind of like polar opposites. And again, it's two players that I like a lot and they just have very different approaches to it. Carl's in his own world. He's doing his thing. He's got his head down working. And that's not to say that Michael Carter doesn't doesn't work hard or is has the wrong approach by any means. It's just that they they different. Everyone's personality is different. Maybe Michael Carter can handle it more. Maybe Carl Lawson knows that he can't handle it. He's also older. He's a veteran where uh, Michael Carter's a, a younger player and maybe some of it could be, you know, immaturity and letting that stuff get to him a little bit. It's something that you have to learn. It's really easier said than done, but for, for Carl to be able to block that out and just go in and put the work in and take care of business. And pretty much the mindset for this team has been, you know, we believe we can do it and we believe we can win. So we're not really thinking the pressure. Don't put any added pressure on. Just do what you know you can do. If you get to that by reading the media or if you get to that by not reading the media, however you get there, just make sure just make sure that's where you end up. That's uh, I think that's the moral to this one. We got three voicemails I want to get to uh, this week. First one is courtesy of Peter uh, from the beautiful Hudson Valley. Uh, he, I just wanted to, a note for Peter. I know he's an avid listener. I, you called back on, on uh, Monday, so I'm using your first call because the second call didn't really co- come through. Uh, it was very it was very glitchy, so unfortunately can't play it. Uh, so we're going to do the, the first voicemail where we talk about uh, setting the precedent, which is uh, which I think is an interesting conversation to have, especially when you found out about Saquon Barkley yesterday. Hey, Matt. It's Peter from up in the rainy Hudson Valley right now. Thunderstorms happening as I'm calling you. <laughs> um, hey, 
we're almost at training camps. And uh, it's great to see the Quinn and Williams deal is signed and how it broke down towards the cap. That's good cost savings for this year for the Jets as well. That helps. Um, but just looking ahead uh, into training camp from your video last week, um, with all the headlines, things that we wanted to accomplish before training camp, obviously the biggest one at this point is now that we've got Quentin Williams inked for the next five years in total, this year and four years after, is why haven't they got uh, both McDonald and Pittman signed? Seems like every year just before camp we got guys, you know, who are running in and making that last minute dash after their contract deal is signed to to get in there and actually start camp. It's been quarterbacks, you know, like Darnold and Wilson. Hopefully we'll have to see uh either Tipman or McDonald doing the same darn thing in the coming days here. So hopefully those deals get done pretty quickly and uh you know, they, since they're slotted into where they need to be. Uh, one thing I did want to comment on and ask a question about, considering the Jets' running back run is all very young, and the precedent having been set lately with running backs not being able to get a second contract from their teams, uh, like uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, the guy Josh Jacobs from the Raiders now as well, uh, only being you know those tender offers that they got. I guess we hope that you know Brees Hall and uh, Michael Carter has a bounce back year. Uh, people like Knight and Akonda have good seasons and hope that because of Quinn and Williams, the Jets will continue to hand out second contracts to not only their running back run uh, and a lot of those players should they continue to keep being on the rise, but a lot of other you know players like Garrett Wilson and Slough Gardner and all of those guys earning second contracts with the team. Uh, we want to make that precedent that was set with Williams continue with all this young talent. So do you think that's something that will happen with all of the running backs, or do you see it happening with mostly maybe Hall, maybe even Carter if he has a bounce-back year, or you know, depending on who's most productive out of this group? And let me know you know, what your thoughts are on that. As always, go Jets, and let's get a snack! <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Let's go eat a goddamn snack. Uh, we're going to be getting that soon. August 8th is the first episode. So with... Uh, I, I really like the the precedent. And, you know, you, you mentioned it was funny where uh, both Tipman, it took a while for both Tipman and Will McDonald to sign. It was the day of training camp beginning. And it's like, they make you wait to the last possible second. And I know that was like right before uh, you, you called in. So that or it happened uh, right after, rather, I guess, that, that you called in. So, um, but mo- moral of the of the story, I, I want to focus on the setting the precedent because P- Quinnen Williams was drafted by the team, performed well, developed, grew, got paid good money to stay with the franchise and push the envelope forward. That is setting the right precedent. And you bring you bring up the first Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, and then you mentioned the running backs, and I think. The running back conversation is a very interesting one because it's it's abundantly clear that NFL teams do not want to pay running backs right now. Uh, and it's been that way for a while. Saquon Barkley didn't want to sign the franchise tag. He ends up signing a one-year deal, and he could earn up to $11 million with the incentive. So essentially, he's getting like 800000 more than what the franchise tag would be. I, I don't want to say yes, that it will set the precedent for the running backs because we haven't gotten to the point where Joe Douglas has had the opportunity to pay a running back. Now I can tell you my own 
feeling of it. And, and it could potentially change depending on what happens with, you know, Brees Hall or Michael Carter or Izzy. And a lot of it, as you mentioned and you know, asked, will it have to do with production? Yes, I think a big part of it will have to do production wise. And my assumption and my guess is that Brees will be the most productive. But I'm kind of on that four year rookie contract franchise tag for a year and maybe potentially move on. By that time, Brees will be 26 when he's about to get paid. That's that's the risk you run. And a lot of time, the unfortunate thing is the, the running back's prime is their rookie contract. By the time they're reaching their late 20s, 26, 27, 28, they're coming out of their prime. It's 22 through 25, really, where these guys are, you know, the, they're most productive. And I think you can get, you know, value in, in the draft. I am a big proponent of taking, you know, day two running back. I, I think I would, I'm not a first round running back guy. I don't think I ever will be. I'm okay with taking a running back in the, in the second, third, fourth round. I think that's really the sweet, sweet spot for those running backs to get. And you kind of just keep cycling through. And it, it's, it's unfortunate from especially their perspective that that's the reality of their position right now. I don't think it's necessarily fair to them, but with how, the league is operating right now. I think that's that's how you do it. I, I think you you run these guys, and you know when it's time for them to make that big money, you let someone else do it. They have maybe one or two more good years, and then it's it's over. You know they they don't really last after very rarely after thirty, unless you have like Frank Gore. There's outliers, of course, but I mean Zeke Leonard Fournette. Uh, Todd Gurley, all these guys with a ton, a ton, a ton of mileage on them. Le'Veon Bell, perfect example. Ton of mileage on them early in their careers. They get to their mid to late-ish 20s. They're cooked. It's over. It's wild that that's the case. And that's really the one of the rare positions where it is the case. I guess corner. Corners usually don't last too much longer after 30. But it, it really it, it stinks that that is the... Uh, that's the case with the running backs. But unfortunately, I think that's that's what it is. Let's go to uh, Patrick from Long Island up next. He wants to talk some Joe Douglas. Let's do it. Hello, Matt. This is Patrick, or PG from Long Island. Uh, I want to talk about Joe Douglas. I'm not sure. I listen to you a lot, but I can't remember where you stand on him. Uh, he gets a lot of criticism. Yes, he had a bad 2020 draft, but again, you have to remember he did not have his own people in place. He did not have his own system in place. He did not have time to to get that ready before that draft. Um, he obviously whipped on on Zach, but again, he was a top ten consensus uh, pick but according to the media. So a lot of people probably would have whipped on him. Uh, maybe could have done better with the with the Rogers trade, but you know. Um, we have Rodgers. We have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, and, you know, maybe could have done better on the Moore trade, but that guy had to go. So I don't fault him for that. I'm, obviously, he tried to do better, but that's what the market was for uh, a malcontent. Um, but, listen, he's done great or very well with trades before that or since, since the 2020, uh, obviously last year. And the trades he's made... The Donnell, Donnell trade, the Adams trade, off the charts. I mean, he's he has just really revamped this roster in a short time to make it, you know, um, 
championship contender. And, uh, you know, the wire wave is that it's picked up. Um, John Flankin-Mize, that was his pickup. Uh, the linebacker Williams, that was his draft uh, or wire pickup. So, um, plus the undrafted free agent that he has brought in. Um, so there's just, I, I, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember hearing what your opinion has been in the past. Uh, I've heard some of these other New York media, uh, kind of bashing and just kind of like, oh, he's, he's just, you know, average at best. I think he's done a bang up job. And I would like to see him here for another 10, 15, 20 years, if possible. But, uh, what I, what I want to do is get your thoughts on that. So, um, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the content you put out every week. Thank um, you. Very good. And as always, go Jets. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Love it. Thank you so much for calling in. Genuinely, uh, appreciate it. Uh, means a lot. As for Joe Douglas, I'm, I would say I'm mostly positive on him. I think he's been, when you take everything into consideration, I think he's been average to good. Uh, I think he's been a pretty good GM. I do think that it's time for the results to start coming. And I think they do this year. If he wins, you know, if the team wins 11 or 12 games, I think both he and they make the playoffs. I think both he and Robert Sala, you know, get extended and will be here for the, you know, next, you know, foreseeable future. I think that's the right move. I think it's important to keep those guys together. 2020, he was brought in after the 2019 draft. So he didn't really have free agency. Uh, he had some minor moves in 2019, but it's hard to really pin that on him. 2020, he was dealing with Adam Gase. So like some of that, you could say like I put I the James Morgan pick was always very bizarre. And I always put that one on Adam Gase. But, you know, maybe some of these other ones were very Gase heavy um, picks. But it, it, you can't you have to count that 2020 class. Uh, some of the free agent stuff I think you can improve on. Uh, I think some of his free agent, not all, but some of the free agents haven't been great. The offensive line being in a, a state of flux at this point is partially his doing. Like one of the guys he signed, Lincoln Tomlinson, is a big question mark. He really regressed last year. Can he bounce back? If he can, great. And look like pro Bowl self, awesome. Uh, you know, the offensive lineman he drafted in Mekhi Becton hasn't played in a couple of years. And the, you know, left tackle still is a question mark. So I don't think he's been perfect. I do think he's been good and I'm not, you know, ready to hand him a lifetime contract. Um, I love the Darnold trade is great, as you mentioned. Uh, and the Adams trade was yesterday was the three year anniversary of it. That's a, and getting AVT and, uh, and Garrett Wilson out of it is franchise altering. That's huge. I think the 2020 class is saving them pretty heavy right now. And p- being able to pivot to Aaron Rodgers is, is saving them too. Uh, a, a great deal because I, I, I free agency outside of, you know, uh, DJ Reed, which is a great one. Carl Lawson, which is potentially, you know, potentially trending back uh, outside of that. There's been some whiffs in, in, in free agency. Uh, and thankfully they're not like super long-term deals and you can get out of them. Um, but I think drafting outside of 2022, slight room for improvement. Uh, but overall, he's a good GM. I would say slightly above average GM. Uh, and if they start winning games and that even, you know, and playoff games, that moves him up the ladder. And that would get me into considering him as a top 10 GM in the sport. Uh, now's the time to start winning the games. 
Let's close out with Travis. He wants to talk about UDFAs and kind of just how far this roster's come. Hey, Matt. What's up? Travis from Ohio. Hey, buddy. Sorry I haven't called in for a while. I've been listening, though. A couple questions for you. I've been collecting football cards again since there isn't a whole lot of other merchandise around there making the McFarlane figures or the starting one-offs or whatever. Anyway, I've been collecting cards again, and I got an Izzy this year, uh, Travis Dye, and EJ Jenkins out of the rookies that have come out so far. And it kind of dawned on me, like, those are kind of fringe roster guys. Maybe not Izzy, but Travis Dye and EJ Jenkins are definitely undrafted free agents. And it reminded me of the days of your when we were rooting for the other Lamar Jackson and Lawrence Cager and Isaiah Dunn, we thought those guys were, our roster was so sucky. We were going to have to, we were rooting for those guys to make an impact. And they were undrafted free agents. That's how bad the roster was. Now we're letting go of second round picks like Moore and Mims when we thought they were going to be huge impact guys. And, I can't see a whole lot of our undrafted guys making it this year, other than, I guess, that wide receiver. Uh, Brownlee? Um, I hope. I can't, uh, I can't think of his name, but uh, he's in making noise. So, come a long way, you know, and it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, Aaron freaking Rodgers. This roster is the best Jets roster I think I've ever seen. Talent-wise, even better than the 9 and 10 teams. Hmm. And even better than the Ken O'Brien teams and the sack exchange back in the 80s. So we think about how far we've come from those Lawrence Cager days and um, what memorabilia or did you collect any sports cards ever? So those are my two questions. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much, Travis. Genuinely uh, appreciate you checking in with us. Uh, I don't know. You can't. I switched to the the second camera to show off. uh, I talked about it on the Jake Asman show, actually. But uh, behind me, sorry, it's probably easier if I do this. Behind me, that way, I'm looking at a reverse angle. So every movement I make is really has to be backwards. There's a frame above the sign, and it's a framed uh, Sean Ellis signed Jets jersey. I met him. Uh, I, I believe it was Champions. I don't know. I don't quote me on the name of the restaurant, but the Jets used to in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, uh, on Monday nights they would do uh, a live broadcast from this restaurant on Long Island, and they would have you know a player would come and do a spot, and uh, I got you know some autographs you know over the over my you know my childhood, and my favorite was this signed Sean Ellis jersey. So that's my prized Jets possession. I don't really collect like cards. When I was younger, I would get like baseball cards, but not anything like super valuable or I wasn't like, Oh my God, like I need to get the insert card here. Like I would get it like a pack of cards and I would like just going through and flipping through them. I have a couple binders of baseball cards from like the late nineties and early to mid two thousands mostly. And some from my dad that he still had that he's passed on to me, but I'm not like on eBay, like, oh my God, like I got to get the boom, like when he's drafted Zach Wilson card. And thank God I didn't. 
Uh, and hopefully you didn't, uh, Travis as well, but I'm not into like the flipping of the cards or, you know, trying to make money or anything off them. I kind of just liked, you know, getting a pack going through, flip it, looking at the pictures. Uh, I think I have the entire 2004 Mets teams team, uh, which is a really crappy Mets team, but I just remember some of those, like some really random, like Aaron Heilman and Heath Bell cards and guys like that. I think there was a, uh, a utility guy. I believe it was Danny Garcia. I don't know why that name is jumping out to me. It could be something like that. But anyway, moral of the story, I'm not a huge collector. But UDFAs uh, and just going from your right, hoping guys like Lawrence Cager, who was out of Georgia, no? Uh, and, and uh, you know, Lamar Jack, the other Lamar Jackson. And that 2009 and 2010 to where they are now, you talked about this Jets team you know, might be the best Jets team that you've seen. And, you know, in my lifetime, it's the 2010 Jets. So I hope for that, uh, they could surpass that. Probably not. I mean, 98, I was technically alive for, not that I remember it well as a three-year-old, but um, just going back and looking at, you know, 2020, which is the abysmal two and 14 season, that roster. So leading uh, the quarterback, Darnold, leading rusher, Gore, Crowder, Mims, Perryman, wide receivers, tight end, Chris Herndon, Offensive line, Becton, Lewis, McGovern, Van Roten, Fant. Gross. Defensive starters, Henry Anderson, Foley Fadukasi, rookie Quinnen Williams, Terrell Basham. Linebackers, Harvey Lange, Neville Hewitt, Jordan Jenkins. Uh, corners, Bryce Hall, Bless on Austin, Ashton Davis, and Marcus May as the safeties. That is really, really tough. Good Lord, that is a garbage football team and to come to where they are now is exciting i am absolutely excited about this season and you know that kind of brings this thing full circle start a training camp gets that thing rolling so let me know your thoughts so far in training camp either in the comment section on youtube or on social media at matt o'leary and why make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show either in video form or audio form works both ways make sure to subscribe leave a review or a comment i appreciate the support from you guys it's a blast that i get to do this every single day so thank you so much i'm matt i'll catch you next time